Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and iniquities and transgressions and shortcomings, Lord, and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm so grateful for this time I get to share with my sisters in Christ that we do all, Lord, that is according to your will, that you allow us to be in good health, to be able to be before you, Lord, and do and uplift your name. Lord, I'm asking that for forgiveness over things that have gone on last night, if our hearts weren't right, if there's certain things that offended the Holy Ghost, Lord, I'm asking that those things not happen now, that they be moved out of the way, that we can only do, Lord, which is that which is which makes you uh, proud of us. Lord, I'm asking that you bind right now every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, jealousy, hatred, malice, resentment, rejection, Lord, all things that have nothing to do with your spirit, Lord. I'm asking that they be taken out of the way and that your Holy Ghost will be here, Lord, to fall on us, edify us, and teach us that we be built up every day, Lord, in Christ, that we will be formed and shaped into the image of your beloved Son, our King of kings, our Lord of lords, a faithful, true, just, holy God, worthy to be praised. Lord, do these things for your glory. Do them for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be called The Power of Prayer. I should call it The Power of Prayer Take Two, but hopefully tonight will go a lot smoother. We'll get into the Word, get some understanding, know who He is. You know, um, one of the things about prayer is that a lot of people take it for granted. You know, a lot of people get on their knees and... You know, oh, now I lay me down to sleep, and, you know, that's the end of it. But prayer is probably the most powerful weapon we have along with faith. And it's something that we need to recognize how important it is because it's a serious weapon against the enemy. So tonight we're going to talk about how, you know, there are things that we need to do to strengthen our prayers. There are things that we can do concerning understanding what actually takes place in the spirit realm when we pray. And then we're going to hear about some miraculous stories of prayer mm -hmm. and to know that we ourselves are no different. If we walk in the spirit and we believe God, then we can have everything that he has, just like his word says. Right. All right. So from here, let's go to John 14. It never fails. It was totally quiet when we got here. I'm going to give her the number. Let me get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but prayer is so important. So, oh, yeah, so important. Yeah. All right, so we'll go. John 14. Oh, no, not yet. Come on. <laughs> Teasing. Take your time. Go ahead, sir. All right. John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled, ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would, I would have told you, uh, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you, 
uh, unto myself and where I am, ye that there ye may also, I mean, there ye may be also, uh, and whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Uh, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Like I said yesterday, and I'm going to say again today, regardless of what anybody believes, if you're a Christian and you're really a believer, then the thing that you want to do is believe this. Every real believer believes that Jesus is the way. You believe that he is, you know, the truth and he is the life. Why? Because if you don't believe this, you'll do what a lot of New Agers do or false Christians. Well, Jesus could be the way, but perhaps there's many ways to God. Okay, so it, it would be like kind of separating God, the real God, and mixing him up with all these false gods. So that's the one thing that you don't want to happen because, you know, I mean, it's just like I used the example yesterday. If you were to have... Okay, the kid's not hurt. Or are they? I don't know. Anyway, so it's like if you were to have a father that wanted to take you everywhere and do everything for you and always had taken care of you, and all you can do in return for him is find false gods, mm -hmm. you know, find false fathers, false things that will come between you and him. And every time he's trying to help you and build you and do things for you, all you want to talk about is these false fathers of yours. You know, these people that Johnny come lately, you know, oh, well, mm -hmm. you know, such and such does this and that. So even if you were a father, I mean, you would annoy God. That would upset the Lord. That would take away your time with him because you're placing something beside him or in front of him. The word holy means separated unto God, separate. You know, separate from your creation. Like when it says, hallowed be thy name, mm -hmm. then you have to hold him in high reverence. He has to be the final authority in your life. He has to be the thing that, you know, you, you first, I mean, the, the person that you go to. Yeah. He has to be real to you. Now, of course, this comes with growth, knowing who he is, the things that he requires for us. But you got to believe he's the way. you got to believe he's the truth. you got to believe he's the life. Mm -hmm. Because if, if you don't recognize, okay, let's just say truth, then you'll be all over the place. You know, some people believe in Jesus and you'll find people, well, he's cool, but I go over here and I add Jesus too. That won't work. Yeah. If you say that he's the uh, the way, then, I mean, how are you going to split yourself in half following two? It just makes no sense. You make a point? So are we supposed to be, when we pray, to like to Jesus or to God? Well, we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Okay. Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus. You can pray to Jesus too. Okay. You can say, Lord Jesus, I don't understand, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, whatever. Jesus makes clear in this passage, he and the Father are one. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that you deny one. As long as you know that the Father is there and you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, and you've got them both, you know. So you're, you're good in that sense, but it's always in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. That's why next week's study is going to be so deep because we're going to take it into why we have trouble and stumble in our walks. You know, there, there's something that they're not telling you in church concerning the gospel. So that's something that it's going to be important. I hope everybody makes it. So, okay, he's the way. You got to know you can't split yourself in half. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's the truth. 
because you can't believe in anything else, and he is the life, meaning without him you will die. So if you recognize this, and the Lord knows your heart, he's going to tell you, you know, of course, son, I'll do this for you. And it's not that he's trying to get you to serve him in order to do things for you. Our God is taking care of us even when we didn't have him, okay? Even when we didn't know who he was, because he sees the beginning from the end, his mercy, his love, and his grace allowed us that chance, okay? But you have to believe in these three in order to have successful prayer. Now, some people would say that that's heresy. All you have to do is call in the name of the Lord. Yeah, you can call on the name of the Lord, but what I'm saying is what strengthens your prayers is, one, having allegiance to one God, mm -hmm. you know, in one way. And if he's your life source, then there'll be nothing coming between you and that life source to cut you off. Does that make any sense? Oh, yeah. Or stunt your walk? You want to say something? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the really key important things to prayer and fasting, I know we covered fasting on uh, Sunday, what is um, the further along we get in our walk with the Lord, Satan is still going to try and come and distract us with TV, movies, Absolutely. whatever. People... Uh, boyfriends, girlfriends you haven't talked to in a hundred years and all of a sudden bling here they come and mm -hmm. you know that there's no good intention behind it mm -hmm. but the enemy can distract you with those things and if we don't pray and fast our walk out then it's so easy to even though we've come so far it's so easy to go start slipping back and back if we're not keeping our minds focused on the Lord and that's what it means to be rooted and grounded because we can mentally ascend to places mm -hmm. you know and feel great because but see we got one big problem and it's called the flesh exactly. you know Jesus says to crucify your flesh to die daily that's yeah. what prayer and fasting is for you know being in the right kinds of company which keeps you out of trouble yeah but the thing is too is that the flesh if it's not subdued because I can go on a long fast and I'm feeling close to the Lord and I'll feel great, and I'll pray, and everything else. But the problem is, if I stop there and just leave it alone, the flesh will come back on you, mm -hmm. strong. Mm -hmm. All right? And, and the more stuff we get into, man, who's to say how many demons we can get housed with? Exactly. You know, so yeah. these are things, this is the constant battle, the sanctification process that we have to go through. Well, a lot of Christians don't think, well, once you're baptized, God did it all. No need to worry. They're lying to you. Mm -hmm. I mean, Paul said, I fought the good fight of faith. I finished my course. So it's going to be a battle that we're going to have mm -hmm. going forward and getting stronger in the Lord. And there were a lot of sins I committed. I don't commit anymore. Did I ever think I'd be over them? Absolutely not. Because right. I remember being bound and chained like, man, this is all over. I'm praying. But, you know, the closer I got to him and me understanding that it took my will to serve him, that's when everything became different because I tried to find ways around Christ and there's no way around him. No. Like he said right here, and I'll repeat it, uh, John 6, verse 4, I mean, John 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye uh, had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have and have seen him so here's the thing too i recognize about every false religion you can go into catholicism buddhism hinduism you know mormonism you name it every single one the black hebrew israelites all that they all have this thing about pushing christ down mm -hmm. okay he's nobody but you know um they try and go straight to the father and you just can't do it all false religions what do the mormons believe that jesus is um the brother 
of Lucifer. Jesus and Lucifer are brothers because they believe that Jesus was Michael the Archangel, which is total blasphemy, and it's a lie too. But the Jehovah Witnesses believe this. They believe Jesus is the Son of God, mm -hmm. but he's not God, even though John 1 says that he is, you know, in so many other passages. Right. So Hebrew Israelites don't believe Jesus is born of a virgin because they want to believe that the Israelites were, you know, truly black, you know, that they were the real ones, the other ones in the land are imposters. And what do they believe? Jesus wasn't born of a virgin. They believe that, you know, he was born of Mary and Joseph coming together, even though there's nowhere to support that in Scripture. Mm -hmm. But they're always trying to push Christ down so they can lift up, you know, or they can try and make it to the Father. And you know what that is? That's the spirit of Antichrist. Yep. So the less um, Antichrist spirit we have around us or in us, the more likely we are to be, have a clear understanding of who God is and have many of our prayers answered. Exactly. Okay, so verse 8, Philip saith unto him, Lord, shew us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me? Philip, he that uh, hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, shew us the Father? In other words, Jesus didn't come in his own power. He came in the, in the Father's, you know, will. Mm -hmm. He makes many, um, he says many times that he and the Father are one. Okay, so Jesus is just like the Father. If you read Daniel 7, it'll even tell you Jesus has the white hair just like his Father. The eyes like a flame of fire. It's the same look. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he's just like the Father, almost an exact duplicate of, his, of the Father. Right. Okay, so one, you can't get one to go against the other. Verse 10, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? My words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe believe me for the very works sake. So he's saying, if you don't even believe, you know, that I'm with the Father and the Father's in me, then believe in the things that I've done. You know, believe in the works and miracles that he was performing, because only the Holy Ghost will give you those miracles. Now, there are false signs. Mm -hmm. there, are, there is a satanic doctrine and power where you got people in churches healing people temporarily, you know, in the, in the power of Satan, believing that it's the power of God. Yeah. Okay, now, I know some people would say, how? Well, the enemy has power, too, to do these things. A lot of stuff that you see going on in churches is borderline, if not witchcraft. Yeah. And there's only two sources of power. One is through Jesus Christ. The other is through Satan. So, but the reason why I said Satan temporarily heals because he may move off a minor demon just to later place a bigger one on you. Mm -hmm. Okay, but when God heals, he heals. Okay, so I just want to continue. So he said, believe in me. You know, believe in the Father. You know, this is a big part of answering prayer. Right. This is a big part of understanding who your God is, having relationship, and him doing things for you and the works through you. Uh, verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, you know, Acts, the second chapter, Jesus went to heaven. You know, um, he ascended into heaven. And ten days later, he brought the Holy Ghost down for the apostles. 
when um, Acts the second chapter happened, that's when the apostles were just like Christ. They were just like Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. They had the power. They had the mind. It was like they were truly born again. Right. Okay, so let's see. Where am I, 13? Yes. yes. Okay. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You see this? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I always try and tell people when you pray, try to pray unselfishly. Pray to the Lord for, for him to fix you, okay? To have a filling of Jesus, have a filling of Christ in their lives. Why? Because he's the power source. So if you get a filling of him, then all your other needs are met. Right. You wouldn't see Jesus starving somewhere. You wouldn't see him deprived of things that he wanted. Right, so you tap into that power source. Uh, 14, uh, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. But notice he said this after he just went through what he said about believing that the Father's in him, he's in the Father, you know, believing that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And then he goes down to, you know, 14, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Why? Because you're seeking me. You're seeking me only. You're seeking me for real. You believe me. Having actual true faith and not just praying empty words. Absolutely. So that's why you look at 15 and it says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall send you another comforter, who give you another comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. But he dwelleth in you, and shall be in you. So a, a good part of understanding belief is you have to have the Holy Ghost. Yep. You know, when he sent the other comforter, one thing we got to understand is God only deals with God. God doesn't deal with you and your flesh, okay? Because your flesh is too dirty for him. Mm -hmm. He deals with Christ in you. He deals with the Holy Ghost in you. The more feeling you have of the Holy Ghost, the more you obey the Lord, the more the Lord can deal with you because you're becoming like him. So it's not that God doesn't want to answer prayers and doesn't want to help us, but we have to understand that we're not compatible with him. Right. It's like trying to put a square peg in a round hole together. I mean, it just doesn't go. Or, you know, someone's, you know, dripping in water over here and this guy's on fire. Mm -hmm. The two don't go together. Not that you would want to be either <laughs> one anyway, but the point is, is that you can't be part of the problem and, and expect to get along with the solution. There's going to be something that you're going to have to give up. There's change in your life that's going to have to take place mm -hmm. in order to be like him. You know? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So he said if you look. Good. Yeah. Um, if you are, though, like following the commandments and mm -hmm. everything, and then I will, wouldn't the Holy Spirit free you more? Like, Absolutely. You more, so then you are kind of, your spirit is dealing with him? Mm -hmm. okay. Absolutely. And you know what? Because you said that, let's go to uh, Matthew 22. Matthew 22 and 35, because I don't want people to misunderstand what the commandments are. Sorry. I'm glad you brought that point up, though, because I'm not preaching works. I know some people would say, well, you're preaching works, you know, about what you need to do to come to God. I'm telling you how to have successful, powerful prayer in God. You know, I'm showing how you can have successful, powerful prayer in God, mm -hmm. you know, right. by being like him. All right. So we'll start at verse 30. Let's start at verse 36. 
No, actually 35. <laughs> uh, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him and questioned him, and questioned tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Why? Because everyone talks about the Ten Commandments. You know, Jesus said at one point, or it's even written in Jeremiah 31, 31, that the word would be written in our hearts. So it's not about looking at two stone tablets. Okay, I need to stop this. I need to stop that. What the Lord was trying to introduce was a nature change in us that we wouldn't have to obey these rules because we would be like him. Mm -hmm. And the more we get of the spirit, you don't have to have a problem loving your neighbor as yourself if you're like Christ. Yeah. You don't have a problem. Exactly. You don't have a problem um, loving the Lord if you're like him. So he's saying on these two laws, the Ten Commandments, the first five are, you know, loving the Lord. That's what the first five are about. The, sec the last five are about loving your neighbor. So when you do all of this, you complete the ten. Mm -hmm. If you love the Lord and love your neighbor, you complete the Ten Commandments. There's nothing outside of this. Right. Okay, so that's what I meant by obeying the Lord and, you know, having a feeling of the Spirit. It's not a whole bunch of works and things that you need to do. But, you know, if you love your neighbor, you're obviously not going to kill him. You love your neighbor, you're not going to sleep with his wife. Okay, you know, you love the Lord, you're not going to hold some idol in front of the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going to be everything to you. So that's how you complete the 10. You know, it's really about a nature change. It's really about being more like Christ, yielding to the Holy Ghost, watching the company you keep, the things that you do, you know, and, and that'll keep you on a straight and narrow. But you have to obey him. Yeah. And, and obedience is the biggest thing. So when he says, we can go back to John, but when he says, if you love me, keep my commandments, then, I mean, that's just telling you the best way that you can show me love it's not through telling people about me, you know. It's not through all this other stuff. It's about, hey, obeying what I'm telling you to do. And that's, and you know what, it gets easier over time because, like I said, the more that we yield, the more that the Holy Ghost will fill you. That's how we have to understand. The more that, okay, Lord, I watch my speech, you know, whatever. I'm telling you, cursing was something that I never thought that I would stop doing. I thought it was impossible. Even at work and, you know, company meetings on Wall Street, they would say, sir, can you clean up the language? And I'm like, well, I, I can't stop cursing. But it was that bad for me where, I mean, I would say things or, you know, I'd start laughing and tell a joke and then, you know, yeah, bleep this, you know. So that was something over time the Lord had to take from me. I prayed and I prayed. It got down to one curse a day. You know, I would go through a whole day, no cursing. And then, bam, here comes another curse because someone cursed at me. Or when I got angry, I cursed or whatever. But now, it's not even in my nature. No matter what someone says, no matter what they do to me, I cannot curse someone. It's just not in my vocabulary anymore. Mm -hmm. I would feel stupid saying a curse there. And I'm not saying that, you know. Huh? It's like hurt because you work so hard to Exactly. It, it would just seem so foreign like it's just not you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just how if you have someone not violent, become violent, you know, in that person's nature, or, you know, people hit them back, and you, 
Oh, I don't know how to do is love. I've never had a fight in my life. I don't know what to do here. So, I mean, because it's not in that person's nature. Right. All right. So, where am I? All right. So, 17. 17. Yeah. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So this is why it becomes easier. But remember, at first he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. Two, he says, believe in the Father, believe in me. Three, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And four, he's talking about the other comforter that will fill you. So this makes things a lot easier if we're following the Lord. Yeah. Verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will, I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye seeth me, because I live, uh, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall uh, know that I am in my Father, and ye in me. You see the, the transformation that goes on? What Jesus did, he came here, he he did everything that the Lord asked him to do. Well, his dad asked him, the Father, you know, and he said that the Father's in me, or I'm in the Father, but you will be in me. You see how much easier that makes it? Because it's almost like a chain link, like you're following him. So it's Christ in you is the hope of glory. That's yeah. what it's about. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, <laughs> where am I, 20? Yeah. Okay. At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, uh, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. So you understand here that, you know, this is what it's all about. I'm not saying you can't pray to the Lord before then. If you know that there's things that are not right, you know, of course, pray. But don't ever believe the Lord is going to move without your will. Mm -hmm. Okay? Don't ever believe that he's going to just fix you and you've got no choice in the matter. That's a lie. A lot of people are in church going to hell sitting on this lie that, oh, I believe it. But there's nothing in you that even shows that you believe. There's, you know, we're afraid to talk about the Lord. We're afraid to do the things that he does. It says back in verse 17 that the spirit of truth, the world doesn't know. This is why when people pray, like when you said you prayed and did things, that people were like looking like, you know, like, what are you talking about here? You know, because they can't receive it. This is why when you find a lot of false Christians and, you, you know, you talk about the Lord and they're just, hey, man. Um, we're not in church right yeah, now. Yeah, you need to talk about that later or they'll change the subject. Yeah, go ahead. Well, and... You know, a lot of churches these days don't, and it's sad, but they don't teach about proper prayer or fasting. And so how are you supposed to be, I mean, it, we, we already know that there's so many false churches out there as there is, but you, you can tell a false church because this is one of the things that they're not talking about. They're leaving their congregation void of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. They're keeping them bound in their flesh mm -hmm. and saying all you got to do is just read your Bible here and there and then that's it. You know, go watch some TV. Right. You know, and that's what we call good things versus God things. Yeah. Some of those things can be religious things versus God things. You want the spirit of the Lord to communicate with you. You want the Lord to tell you what to do right on the spot. You know, when you find yourself in difficult situations, Lord, what should I do about this situation? Yeah. And then see, because we don't seek him, many of us don't because 
where he's foreign to some of us. Yeah. You know, he's foreign to us where it's like, I don't know if that came from the Lord, if that came from Satan. Why? Because we don't have relationship. We don't speak to him mm -hmm. about things. Mm -hmm. Okay? And one thing that the enemy will always do is point you away from the Lord. Oh, that's, that's one of the surest signs to know. I mean, some people I've gone to church with, they've been so religious in church and outside of church, and I'll say, man, that was a good sermon. And they're like, man, I don't want to hear all of that. Man, you two into that. I'm like, man, weren't we just sitting up in there, hallelujah, praise the Lord? But, <laughs> you know, it's just crazy. All right, so from here, let's go to Matthew 21. We're going to get into the whole prayer thing, but... I thought that would be a good beginning. Oh, absolutely. You know, in understanding what the Lord's requirements are of us. Absolutely, yeah. I used to think it was okay, like, just going to regular church that you can choose which one, like, commitments you want to follow, and the Lord will just forgive you, and you can just live your life like that. But mm -hmm. then, as I kept, like, doing that and seeing, like, you know, that, like, hurt me and the Lord, mm -hmm. like, realizing that's not, that just keeps pushing me back. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it's about. All right. So from here, we'll go to um, uh, let's go to verse. No, let's go to verse um, 17. Okay. It's talking about Jesus here. Okay. And then it says, uh, well, it's 21 and 17, right? You guys are there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he left them and went out of the city of Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow, excuse me, let no fruit grow on thee um, henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, <laughs> ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall uh, say unto, the, unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing. Notice how there's a separation between prayer and ye when it says believing. So, you know, the first statement is, And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer. What's the next thing? Believing. Yeah. Now we're going to something else. Ye shall receive. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is the big part of understanding God. Many times we pray, but we don't ask in faith. We ask in hope. You know, I hope the Lord does this. You know, you're supposed to believe in him. Lord, if this can be done, if my situation can be fixed, you're going to fix it. It can't be done any other way. Right. And I'm not going to anyone else. Right. Okay, so either you're going to fix this for me or it won't be fixed. But I believe God. That's the biggest part of this, mm -hmm. you know, and understanding. Okay, so, you know, and he said, if you have faith, it begins in faith. Faith in who? Jesus Christ. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I started in John 14. When people want to understand why certain things can't be done, you've got to have faith. You've got to know God. You've got to believe God. Absolutely. And he knows if you believe or not. <laughs> I mean, he knows the intents and the thoughts of the heart. 
Okay, so from here, let's go to Mark 11. I'm going to catch on that point again, but he's going to say something else that's key. Mark 11 and 20. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw uh, the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, uh, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering, saith unto him, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith uh, shall come to pass. He shall have uh, whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And when ye stand praying, forgive uh, if ye have aught against any. Uh, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. So this is key stuff here because, one, we just heard the same story. He said to believe God. He mentioned right after that, if you have faith and don't doubt in your heart, and you believe these things shall come to pass. He said, what things soever you desire... And 24, if ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Then he says, and when ye stand praying, forgive ye that ought against any. This can also hinder prayer. You're sitting there holding a grudge against someone you may not like, you know, or someone that has wronged you, and you're not asking the Lord to forgive them or forgive you, then, you know, the Lord won't forgive your trespasses. Oh, you're asking for me to forgive you? I mean, which he will. But the thing is, is he's also going to direct you. Look who you hurt. Look at who you've done this to. And you call yourself, you know, a brother, a sister, a friend, or whatever, you know? No, you need to go and make that right with them right now. And then you and I can talk, <laughs> you know? So while a lot of people have hard luck in life, and I hate to use the word luck because that word luck is short for Lucifer. It means by chance. That's the true meaning of the word lucky. Even when you look at, look at laugh out loud, okay, laugh out loud really means Lucifer our Lord. A lot of people don't know that, but it's the truth. A lot of uh, journalists write that. I think we've gone over it. But the point is, is why a lot of people have hard times in life is because they won't forgive their parents for something that they have done. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the Lord is not for that. He tells you to honor your mother and father. He doesn't say if they're good to you. That's not what he says. He doesn't say, well... I understand that things went wrong in your life, you know, and if your father does better to you, then you do right to him. Oh, no, you can't separate the father and the son. Mm -hmm. And the Lord expects no different relationship here. Sometimes what you find, because, you know, as kids, we didn't grow up in that home where it was like a really loving atmosphere. You know, you ever find like your parents were not as affectionate to you as you are to them? It's because, you know, when they were coming up, 
you didn't show open affection and do all that stuff in public. And, you know, right. a lot of parents were embarrassed by that sort of thing. It didn't mean that they didn't love you. But sometimes you have to be more mature than your parents. If the Lord is showing you the truth, mm -hmm. then be mature enough to overlook what they did and build that relationship. So a lot of people have hard times in life because they will not forgive their parents. Oh, yeah. And the Lord says he's not going to forgive your trespasses if, if you pray. You know, if you don't pray for yours to be forgiven. So a lot of things is why, you know, I start a lot of prayers off with, Lord, forgive us our sins and iniquities. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sit here and ask God for the favor of me, you know, and my desires. And I mean, I'm sitting here living like the devil. <laughs> but I'm going to tell the Lord, can you answer this prayer for me? And the Lord, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> what, are you kidding me? You know, not to say he wouldn't have grace on situations. He's given me many things that I didn't deserve. Mm -hmm. And that's where grace and favor or grace and mercy comes in. You know, mercy, grace is getting something that you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Right. Okay, so those things are, are, are really important in understanding the Lord. All right, so we'll give another example. Where do I want to take this next? Let's go to Matthew 6. So, but you see how some people blame God when some of their answers, their prayers are not answered. When already we've covered so much in things that can hinder prayer. No secret in here. Jake's done it. Everyone's done it. Your brother. I was gonna say real quick, and I think we mentioned. Did I that. cut you off? Like when you raised your hand, I ignored you. Oh, it was fine. You were, oh, okay. you were trying to. Sorry. I, I get, you were trying to get. Um, right. But I was going to say, uh, we covered it in a different Bible study way back, but uh, the whole about forgiving your parents, I went through that mm -hmm. with my dad. And, uh, you know, there was a situation when I was, a, you know, younger, and he was disciplining me because I was acting, you know, I mean, I was just, there were, I had probably had so many demons in me the way I was acting, stomping my feet, yelling and screaming, and I told my dad, I'm not going to go with you. And he, you know, he spanked me, and he disciplined me, and... I held that against him for such a long time, and I told Derek about it a couple few years back. I couldn't stand Sarah at this point, <laughs> by the way, but go ahead and tell him. And for good reason, because I constantly was putting my dad down for what he had done, and I had held that against him for so many years. And at this, you know, this stage in my life, when I was talking to Derek about it, I started coming to Christ. But I was like, basically, I had hit a stump or mm -hmm. had a, you know, uh, what do you call it? A roadblock. A roadblock or a stump in my growth because I had not let that situation go. Right. And I told him about it and he said, well, why didn't you just do what your dad asked you to do in the first place? <laughs> and it was the first time someone had actually brought it in that perspective and it just stopped me in my tracks. And you I was didn't like, have you know, an answer for it. I didn't have an answer. I was like, you know, why didn't I just do what he asked? <laughs> right, and that's the Lord. You know, he, he revealed that. Yeah. He has, you know, the Logos, which is the written word. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Rhema, which is the spoken word of God. Okay, so, you know, a lot of things we read from the letter. You know, this is the truth in God. God won't tell you anything outside of this. But, you know, he'll tell you to do certain things on the spot that you wouldn't think. Like, I'll make an example um, a few weeks ago, right? It was like about a... Well, three and a half weeks ago, 
think it was about three and a half weeks ago, I went to dinner with a friend. Oh, right, yeah. You know, um, someone I knew when I was bouncing a jackknife, you know, and she worked there too. And, you know, she had a rough life, you know, doing certain things. She was, um, you know, dancing. I'll just put it that way, okay? She was a dancer. And um, so she wanted to meet up and talk, so we did. You know, we sat around, we talked. And I tried to interject, because I had already thought about bringing the Lord into the situation. So I tried to interject that, you know, like, hell, you use the word blessed. So you must really have, you know, you, you grew up in a Christian home, huh? She said, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home, but I'm not religious, and I don't believe in any of that. And I'm like, oh, boy, like, here we go. This is going to get bad. Because that was my intention. She was like, I don't think people should judge. And there was a voice telling me, fire away with the gospel. Let her know about the Lord and everything like that. But I knew that that wasn't the Lord. I didn't know at the time because I had my Bible in my lap. I was getting ready to, you know, tell her the truth. And, um... Yeah, the Lord told me, no, wait, listen to her, sit there, talk to her, get to know her, okay? And, I mean, there are times the Lord will tell you to fire the gospel, so I'm not saying that an, uh, an indirect approach always works because, you know, but for this particular situation, her problem wasn't with me. Her problem was with she didn't trust men. Her problem was with the spirit of rejection. I understood that later on. You know, we talked... She wants to come to Bible study in a couple of weeks. I haven't contacted her or whatever because she's in and out of town with her dad. But she um, wanted to come, but it wasn't because of me trying to minister to her. It was that there were other things that needed to come out of the way. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that was that's an example of the rhema where the devil was telling me, fire away with the gospel. Now, that sounds right for a Christian. Certainly the Lord wouldn't have me sitting with a sinner, you know, and not delivering the gospel. But the Lord said, wait, hold on, because she ended up coming to me with the gospel, you know, during that same discussion because of I didn't pry. I didn't push. The Lord was like, look, just open the door. Be friendly. I'm going to deliver to you in a little while. Just, you know, strap yourself down. Relax. Okay, so that's that's an example of the rhema and the logos. You yeah. want in instructions. Right on the spot. Lord, what do I do? Mm -hmm. I know what you told Peter, but I'm not Peter. What do I do in this situation? That's the rhema. And you only get the rhema through relationship. Mm -hmm. Other than that, anybody would talk to you, and you would think it was anybody because you don't know the Lord. Okay. All right, so Matthew 6, verse 1. Take heed that ye do not your alms, which is like your charity, before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. So this is pride. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do God's will, but they do it making sure there's an audience so that way they can look spiritual and, and get rewards. Yeah. Well, the Lord said, you'll get no reward here. Therefore, when thou dost thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So what we recognize here is, you know, they, they receive glory of men. You can't have the glory of men and the glory of God. One is going to have to stand. The other is going to have to go. Mm -hmm. Okay, because as long as you receive, you want glory of people or, or men, you'll never have the glory of God. Why? Because you're not seeking him. You want to be validated by outside sources, things that don't mean anything. What does the Lord think concerning this situation? That's the biggest thing. 
Exactly. All right, so he's saying that they won't believe either because the hypocrites do this. They won't receive a reward. Their reward is, you know, having others look at them. Oh, you're spiritual. You're such a person of God. And then, yeah, you know, you know, the Lord tells me to do these things. And, you know, I just do what he tells me. You know, you're trying to feel good about it. But the truth is, is that you're trying to get a reward from people. There's nothing wrong with testimonies, though. If you're telling someone what the Lord did for you or through you, that's different because what you're trying to say is my God can do all things. Yeah. But the Lord knows the heart. If you're doing it to try and gain some some form of status, then the Lord knows what this is about. Yeah. All right. Uh, verse three. But when they when, when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand is doing, uh, that their alms may be in secret, and the Father which uh, seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Why? You're only seeking the Lord. You don't care what anyone thinks. You're not doing this for praise, for glamour, or, or whatever it is. You're doing this because it pleases the Lord. So if you're doing it in secret, man, the Lord is, here you go. Yeah. You know why? Because you're looking at me. You care what I think. You don't care what the world thinks. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, five. And when thou prayest, here we go. Mm -hmm. Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. I've seen it. I've seen in places, you know, being at work and other things, you find someone that's, you know, charismatic, they're real spiritual. They'll go in the cafeteria, start busting out in tongues, you know, just saying all this stuff. And, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. So they get an audience, and then they sit down and pray so everyone can see that they're spiritual. Does that really connect to God when you're doing that? Speaking in tongues? Yeah, well, like, are you able to do that if it's not, like, from your heart? You're just doing it for reward? Um, if you're doing it for man's reward, then no, it doesn't get to the Lord. Yeah. If you're try Now, if you are praying for someone in, in an unknown tongue, because the tongue's gift is, is a spiritual yeah. thing. Not all tongues. Because, you know, the devil knows how to speak in tongues, too. That's how deceptive this whole thing is. But I think we have a teaching on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got the site now. But, um, yeah, it's... Um, but it has to be. You have to have it. It's in the spirit of God. It, the I spirit mean, of God will do things that yeah. you wouldn't think he would do. It's just like yesterday in our little situation. The Holy Ghost told me to turn and to rebuke that spirit of rejection, mm -hmm. to rebuke that spirit of pride. But I wouldn't do it. Why? Because I felt like I would be seen as a, as a not-so-good person. Yeah. You know, like, man, look at how mean he is. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is bold. The Holy Ghost is not the wimp that people think he is. Yes, he's a gentleman. Yes, he's, you know, comforting. of course he's good. He's yeah. comforting. He's godly. He's nurturing. But, man, he's also no joke. Exactly. He will turn to you and have you tell someone, hey, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, you know, or whatever, and then walk away. <laughs> these prophets didn't play around. Jeremiah and these boys, Nathan, I mean, Nathan, these guys yeah. will come in, tell you what the Lord said, and then hit the door. Don't even thinking about, oh, are you okay? Oh, brother, God bless you. No, when the Lord delivers a message, right to the point. Okay, so I always said that to get into this, yeah. but... You know, the hypocrites will stand there, have to be seen, have to be spiritual. And the Lord knows it. They're like, come on. Yeah. Even if the person is healed by what you do, you know, in, in the Lord, 
the Lord is still not going to reward you for that because that's not his spirit. Yeah. The Holy Ghost is not looking for outward validation. The Holy Ghost is looking for a body to flow through. That's exactly. it. And that's the biggest difference between spiritual and carnal. Carnal people, they want to receive inflow. Mm -hmm. That's the soulish man, the selfish man. They want validation. A spiritual person is all outflow. They're giving. Because why? Out of their bellies flow livers of, rivers of living water that the Lord will actually, you know, he's mm -hmm. providing for you so you give to others. But, you know, and, and that takes time. I'm not saying that that's how you have to be. But I'm saying it's outflow when the Spirit is on you. It's yeah. not a whole thing of, I need to be nurtured. I need to do this. I need to do that. Now, there are teachers. There are apostles. There are evangelists, pastors, and prophets. They are to perfect the saints. Mm -hmm. I sat up under ministries, too. I've learned from many ministries before I got here. And I'm still learning. There's still things that I need to know that I'm still studying and looking up. So I'm not speaking against Bible studies and things, but I'm saying as the paradigm shift begins to change in your life, you feed on God's word, you have an understanding of what his word says, you get rooted and grounded in Christ, then comes the outflow. Because you're not going to call a pastor to heal somebody. You know what? The life of Christ is in me. I'm going to go heal him myself. I'm going down there to go do it. I'm not calling anyone for help. Why? Because I bring the life of God to every situation. Exactly. And the okay. thing is, is that as far as learning the scripture, ain't none of us have graduated until we made it to the kingdom. No, even Paul struggled with his flesh. Yeah. That's what Romans 6, 7, and 8 are all about. All of his writings. <laughs> he struggled, but he stayed doing the exactly. will of the Lord, you know, yeah. and that's what it's about. And so we all understand so how this is the hypocritical prayer. Yeah. Okay. Verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, or enter, yeah, enter into thy closet, and, man, I don't know what to, <laughs> and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father, uh, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly, and when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Man, I remember being in some churches. It would always be that old lady in the front with the wig, you know, praying for about 45, 55 minutes. You know, at this point, nobody's even paying attention to what's going on. You know, you're sitting there dripping in sweat, and she's just praying out. But she's saying the same thing again and again and again. I'm not saying that it can't be spiritual. But what I'm saying is the Lord says that the heathen has repetitive prayer. Yeah. The heathen is the type like, and, and I hate to say this, you find this in Mormonism, you find this in Catholic churches, mm. they'll say the same thing repeatedly as if that makes it that more, much more powerful when really all it has to be is a sincere, sincere prayer from your heart. You can say a few words, dear God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. You know, that could be so much more than a mouthful of, oh, and I want to pray for my sister Shelly, and I want to go on over here for my mom, and, and blah, 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 and they're just going on and on and on. I'm not saying you don't pray for people. Of course you do. But what I'm saying is the sincerity of the heart. The Lord hears the prayers of the righteous. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important to know God, to live the way that he wants us to live, so we will have his favor. My prayers, I'm telling you, the Lord has done wonderful works in my life. I mean, I never thought that I would get to do some of the things that I can do now. 
because I trust him. Well, he trusts me. Mm-hmm. He's not going to give you things so you can glory in self. He gives you things to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. You know, simple thanks to the Lord. Not Well, I don't mean it simply, Lord forgive me, but thanking the Lord is can take you... Can take you so far because if he didn't take us on our sin when he could have, if we didn't get killed today while coming here, if we haven't been moved off of our job, you know, for things we could have gotten moved off for or things we couldn't have gotten moved, there's such a plethora of things in a daily, hourly, minutely basis that the Lord protects us from. Absolutely. We don't realize the spiritual warfare that goes on every day. If the devil comes for three reasons, to kill, to steal, and to destroy, and you're still here, Mm -hmm. just the fact that you guys are sitting here and we're talking about this is supernatural. You know how many church people don't want to hear this? I mean, you know, because they'll tell you the average church service is about 45-minute sermon. Uh, Mm -hmm. We should be getting out of here soon. After that, you've lost them. Exactly. Oh, yeah. exactly. I mean, not that there's nothing wrong praising the Lord and doing that, like, but that's not learning. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of pastors will tell you things in 30, 40 minutes. That's not really teaching. Mm-hmm. The word has to be in you. What's you know? heathen mean? The heathen is really, the word means unteachable. Okay. But the heathen is also can be foreign tribes or, you know, foreign cultures that were not like the children of Israel. The children of Israel were those who received the Lord's laws, statutes, and commandments. Even when Jesus came with the new covenant, the disciples were of, they were Israelites. Mm -hmm. Okay, they were of the children of Israel. So anything that was outside of God, which is Druidism, you know, any type of paganism, any type of new age stuff, that's the heathen. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they can't, they, unteachable. You want to go your way. You don't want to go the Lord's way. What? They're not willing to learn? Absolutely. That's what it yeah, because it means like even with the attempt to teach, mm-hmm. that they just don't want it. I don't want to know this. I don't want to receive this. My way is better. And we've dealt with that. In ourselves, absolutely. Okay, so the vain repetitions are an out as far as prayer is concerned. The more you say something doesn't make it happen. This isn't a magic lamp where you're saying a, a magic spell or formula to get your will. Right. Okay, all it takes is a sincere heart, one that's following the Lord, that wants to please the Lord, and the prayers of the righteous will be answered in the name of the Lord. That makes sense? Oh, yeah. All right. Eight. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth uh, what things ye have need of, before you ask him. Mm-hmm. So if he if he knows the things that you have need of before you ask him, what would be the thing that you would ask him for first? Probably for a filling of the Holy Spirit and for forgiveness. Forgiveness in his favor yeah. because once you've got that, you've got the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. <laughs> That's why he said if the Father already knows what you want, then what do you think you need to do with him? Make yourself right. And I'm not saying do it yourself. Allow the Holy Ghost to fill you. Yield to the voice of the Lord. Don't play him like he's the Easter Bunny or Tooth Fairy or just, you know, one of these people. Don't act like the Lord ain't seeing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Okay, That's that's the whole point behind it. I'm not saying you won't fail him. But, man, repent and try harder to do it right. That's it. Lord, I've fallen. I have no excuses. 
Don't you ever get on your knees and tell the Lord you didn't mean to do it. That's a lie. Okay? You got undressed. All right? No one threw you into the bar, you know, to do whatever. No one told you. No one grabbed your fist and, and let you hit the guy. Okay? Just be honest. You know, Lord, I know this was wrong. My flesh made me do this. I mean, I did this willfully. Exactly. Forgive me. Help me make it right with you. But don't ever say, Lord, I ain't mean to do it. That's a lie right there. Lord, I didn't mean to get drunk tonight. Because uh. then the Lord could say something back. What were you doing in that bed then? <laughs> you know, how'd you get there? Yeah. All right, anyways. <laughs> All right. So Wrong it's apartment, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Before you ask him, verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven. Your Father is in heaven. Mm -hmm. You have to know that. Okay, hallowed be thy name. Holy and separate is thy name. High and holy is thy name. You are addressing the Father and the Son as royalty. Yeah. Because that's what they are. Some mm -hmm. people just look at Jesus like, I'll speak to him when I get time, you know, whatever. No, I mean, this is royalty. He's a king, yeah. and he should be addressed as such. Some people don't feel they should have to get on their knees when they pray. But then my question is, in your pride, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. If he's really your king, why not? Because if someone pulled out a gun at you and told you to get down on your knees, you wouldn't even question it. So why should it take something like that for you to bow? You know, my thing is, if he's the king and he's that big to you, what's going on your knees going to do? Exactly. You know, that's no big deal. Lord, I'll even lower myself completely flat to the ground. You know, I'd rather be that donkey that carried the Lord into Jerusalem. You know, didn't have no part in him at all. Mm -hmm. Shows humility and he gets rid of pride. That's right. Holy is thy name. So that's what hallowed be thy name is. Thy kingdom come. How does the kingdom come? Through you. Through us, yep. Okay, he said the kingdom is within you. The life of Christ is what you bring to every situation when you are a believer. You want his will done through you. Your bodies are for only one reason, or our bodies, are to glorify the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's it. All right. Um, thy will be done. So we just went over that. In earth as it is in heaven. Meaning that even though you're here on the earth, that if, if the Lord says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord, yeah. then without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. It doesn't mean perfect, okay? But what it means is maturing. It also means as the way that our Father and the Son conduct themselves in heaven, we need to act accordingly. We are of royalty. Yeah. We are the sons and daughters of God, mm -hmm. okay? Now, I'm not acting like I've got this figured out, believe me. Okay, there are times my flesh attacks me too. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sitting there acting like, oh, well, when you guys get to this level, then you'll really see what's going on. No. You know, it's a fight for me like it is for everyone else. And any pastor that wants to be honest, he should do the same. Exactly. You know, he's struggling too, believe me. You'd be surprised how many pastors are hooked on porn and doing all other things. But they'll never tell you. You might, you know, luckily catch them walking out of a bar or something, or with some woman that's not their wives, but these people struggle too, believe me. I'm not saying I'm engaged in any of that stuff, I'm just saying that, you know, that they have their troubles as well. All right, 11, give us this day our daily bread, okay? So you want to thank the Lord for all you have, you want him to supply all of your needs. Mm -hmm. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
This isn't um, bragging, but I have learned for me that the more I give without borrowing, man, it's like my cup never runs dry. Exactly. No matter what, the Lord takes care of it. Yeah. Borrowing or lending money just seems to be this thing where it's just so much stress on you. Mm-hmm. I would feel bad now going to someone, hey, you got my $200. It's just, you know what? The Lord provides for me. Man, don't even worry about it. I just happen to be here to help you out. And from that moment on, the Lord just started blessing me. There's times when I'm thinking, all right, well, i got to save for my trip and do this. Man, I, I don't really want to spend this. And then someone will call me, hey, um, you know, I got this uh, money for you that you gave me a while back. And I'm like, no, no, no. You know, that's yours. And then, oh, no, here you go. Or a job opportunity comes up. Yeah. You know, something goes on where yeah. you can make more money. Yeah. So the Lord will always see to it that your cup never runs dry. Giving instead of lending mm-hmm. is really, that's faith. That's faith in the Lord believing that he's going to provide. So you don't have to rely on this person to give it back. Uh, well, so. you can also lead somebody to Christ in giving as well because so many people these days are mm-hmm. not used to you just giving to them. Mm-hmm. And they almost look in shock if you give them something. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you when you give them something, they're like, oh, thank you. And you're like, you know... And you're not doing it out of pride, but you're like, you know, thank Jesus, thank the Lord. And they might, you know, Jesus, you know, something. So, you, I mean, you can use it as a, as a witness to somebody for Jesus mm-hmm. Christ in that manner, too, because you're not expecting anything back. Jesus never, you know, well, he expects us to give our life to, to him. But, mm-hmm. you know, when he, you know, taught people, he was not expecting money or anything. No, he came as a servant, exactly. even though he was the son of God. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you give to, you're just showing God with action how much you trust him and have faith there you in go. everything. Perfect. But, uh, my brother, he's a really good example of this. He actually will give bums. Anybody that he's, mm-hmm. he rides the bus a lot, he'll just give him money. And he's told me crazy stories. And um, even when he didn't have money, he's make a lot. But he, um, like, he'll get random, like, deposits into his bank. I'm telling you. <laughs> and, like, I mean, the yeah. he needs it the most, like, that is exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's times I'll be walking around with money in my pocket I didn't know I had. Yeah. I go to get dressed for work, you know, and I go to put on my pants. I'm like, where's this $50 come from, you know? But it was from some time that I wasn't thinking about, and the Lord made sure I didn't remember it was in there. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's awesome when you're a giver. And that's why the Lord says he loves a cheerful giver. Mm-hmm. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. That is a display of faith. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Interesting points with this prayer. Totally unselfish. This prayer is all about loving the Lord and loving your neighbor. Mm -hmm. None of this prayer has anything to do with getting a nice house, car, whatever it is that you're looking for. Don't think that the Lord doesn't know that you want these things. That's why he provides these things for you. Okay, but you first have to have him. You've got to have the Lord for him to give you all these things that you desire. Exactly. It can't just be about you. When you focus on those desires, though, I think that opens up the door for Satan to take advantage of knowing if you talk about it. Right, because he knows how to give gifts, too. That's something that we need to understand. Mm -hmm. So unselfish prayer is another example. Okay, that's something that you want to have down. So from here, let's go to James 1. Towards the back. Mm-hmm. 
And I'll tell you what, when you really love the Lord, you love to be in His Word. Yeah. There's something about the Word of God that just makes you, man, I got a thirst for this. I can't wait to learn more. Mm-hmm. I look so forward to Tuesdays and Sundays. I mean, it's like, even though I know I'll be sitting up here under pressure, but it's just that feeling of, man, I'm glad that I get to dive more into it, you know, do more work. All right, we'll start at verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy uh, when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. See, (laughs) I mean, as a Christian, you're going to have these trials and tribulations, Mm -hmm. verse 4. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So being patient in the Lord, being steadfast, you know, grounded, and, and you know, waiting on him, it will strengthen you. Mm-hmm. I like to use that example. Um, I can't remember who told me the story, but you know what a chrysalis is. When a butterfly is in the cocoon, oh. caterpillar in the cocoon. And, um, you know, that struggle, like one guy, I think he was telling me a story of how a guy saw the um, the caterpillar struggling to get out of the cocoon, so he thought he'd help it, and he, you know, ripped it open, and it fell out, you know, and it was half butterfly, whatever, but it couldn't fly, and it died. Mm. But he said he didn't realize that the struggle that it took that butterfly to get out of the cocoon is what gives it its strength, like a workout to be able to fly from that moment on. So this is something that we even have to look at concerning ourselves. We have to see things this way. Right. Man, you are only going through so much because you're getting grounded and built up for an assignment that's going to be way tougher than what you experience now. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you become rooted and grounded in Christ, man, you have no fear. Why? Because you are God conscious. You're not conscious of men. You're not conscious of the world. And you're not conscious of self when you really reach a certain point. Right. All right. So, um... So you'll be complete in Christ with patience. Five, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, any time you hear ask, you know it's prayer. Okay, this is how we speak to the Lord. So let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. So, you know, ask the Lord freely. If you lack wisdom, ask for understanding. How do I pray? How do I ask you righteously? What should I be doing for you that can enhance my prayer life, you know, or my growth in you? Right. Okay, so, if you you know, you have to believe that. Six, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavereth, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea uh, driven with the wind and tossed. Um, again, like it says, with nothing wavering, you have got to believe, no doubt. The only thing that makes us doubt is being self-conscious and world-conscious. When you have no confidence in the flesh, you can easily become God-conscious and believe God. But you have to break back that thick, that fat, that veil, that which keeps you from serving the Lord the way you want to. Once you break through there and it's you in Christ, oh, forget it. You've got no trouble believing. That's when the gifts of the Spirit manifest because you're raising people up. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's what it's about. You're raising up the dead. And you're healing blind eyes. And one, you're not phased by that. You're not going to go to the newspaper and tell everybody what you did. Why? 
Because, you know, Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus. Where's Lazarus today? Dead. Mm -hmm. So these things are only for a moment in time. They're not so, you know, everyone can see what you did. Yeah. That work was done only to win souls, only to show people that God can do all things. Exactly. So we can't get hung up on that. Oh, I did this, and then I'll do that next. The only time I ever talk about that, honestly, is to tell people, look, you got to have faith in him. He can do all things. There's nothing bigger than God. Okay? Well, you're not speaking of you. You're Christ in you. Exactly. You didn't say, well, I raised this person or whatnot. Right. It's nothing about, we can't boast about, it's not about boasting about what we did. And the Lord is slow to show power for this reason because... You get some people, they do that, and then it's, oh, the man of the hour has arrived. You know, and you have, hold my jacket. It's ridiculous. It's not even in the spirit of God. So. No. All right, verse 7. Let, I mean, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. See, a man that, that doesn't believe mm -hmm. kind of believes, oh, well, you know, if you do it, you do it. If you don't, you don't. No, nah, man. You know, you can't raise someone. You can't do any of that stuff because you already have doubt. Well, I need to fast and pray more. Maybe he's doing, you know, he might do it. No. Well, and that's how, you know, that's how the Antichrist is going to get a lot of false churches with the false rapture and other things because when he comes back, he's going to have signs and wonders and the church is going to think, oh, this must be the Christ or this must be, you know, mm -hmm. Because he's going to do things that they're not doing now in the name of right. Jesus Christ, the real Christ. Right. So the Lord, even this can waver prayer. Mm -hmm. I mean, even this can reject prayer, unbelief. Mm -hmm. You have to believe God. Yeah. And then it says in verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. This is true. Mm -hmm. Can't have eyes on the Lord and on the world. They don't go together. No. Okay. Now, the, the beautiful thing to see is like a... You know, married couple where you see the husband and wife and, you know, they have the kids or whatever, but they all believe in Christ. Yeah. That is a blessed family. So it's not saying the Lord wants you up in the mountains alone, <laughs> away from everything. No, the Lord understands your heart, too. Yeah. He'll give you these things, but it has to be in God's order. The man has to be the spiritual head. Mm -hmm. Okay? The woman, you know, she has to be that support, a woman of God, a woman that seeks the Lord herself. Mm -hmm. Not just because her husband seeks it. She has to want him too. Yeah. Because if you're married, you're going to share Christ with your wife or your husband. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not yours and yours alone, and neither is your wife or your husband, you know. The Lord may want to talk to them, back off. Mm -hmm. No, well, what were you in here praying about? That's not your business, <laughs> you know. So that's a key point here where even being double-minded can reject prayer. Yeah. Okay, so we have to be single-minded. We have to believe in the Lord and all he can do. Because he's very much alive and well, sitting on the right hand of the Father. You know, they are alive. You can't speak to them. James 5. James 5, and we'll start at verse 11. All right, and it says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Uh, ye have heard of the patience of Job. And have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord uh, is very pitiful. Not a pitiful Lord, but, you know, he's a Lord that's full of pity. Uh, and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, 
neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Again, we went over this yesterday. You want to tell people when they ask you things, yes or no. Mm -hmm. That's it. You don't want to, I might, maybe, I don't know why. That brings strife. That brings strife. I mean, you know, because now the person's wondering, are they going to do it? Or are they not going to do it? Should I ask them again? Should I leave them alone for now? Should I just hope that they make it? Should I throw little things out there that they might remember? You know, so it's just best to say yes or no. I can or I can't. You can't do it. The person may not like it. But guess what? They know the truth. They're not going to ask you again, not unless they're desperate, you know, or whatever, but they won't ask you again. So yeah. that's what it's about. Yes, I can. No, I can't. All right? So um, and he said, lest you fall into condemnation. You'd be condemned if you can't keep your word. Haven't you noticed that? How many people keep their word? And when you find many people that can't do it, look what happens. You don't even want to rely on them. You'll say, oh, man, they talk that forever, but they're not going to do anything. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's condemning. Verse 13, is any among you afflicted, let him pray. Is any merry, let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now these are the elders, the presbytery. These are the ones that are supposed to be healing people. This is what the church should be doing, but yeah. you don't find this anymore. They'll tell you the gifts of the Holy Ghost are done away with. You know, they don't work anymore. That was in Paul's day. They stopped. Okay, a disarmed church is your answer for dealing with the devil. Let's just be religious and believe that God is moving. Ridiculous. But uh, 15, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Mm -hmm. You know, so this is what it's all about. Again, more prayer and faith. So you should have faith that can do miracles. You know, faith that can heal, that can do things. Exactly. This is what we pray for. And when you pray and fast, pray with a purpose. Pray for power. Pray for a filling of the Holy Ghost. While other people are playing around, going out, doing what they do, and you're seeking God for real. I mean, you know, he says, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. What are you laughing at? Um, I don't even hear them. I mean, but anyway, you know, you draw that nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. So you want to have that relationship. And these things strengthen prayer. Mm -hmm. So this is prayer that can heal. You know, this is the power of prayer that we're going into next. Ephesians 6. And we'll start at verse 10. Y'all may as well sit closer. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Oh, that's cool. I think it's awesome. We did the same thing for Jake, everybody. Don't yeah. even feel bad about it. Teamwork. That's exactly. right. Build each other up. You hot? It's hot in here. It's the Holy Ghost. Absolutely. Watch when we're done, this room cool down. We've seen that happen so many oh, times. Yeah. All right. Um, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What are the wiles of the devil? The tricks of the devil. Mm -hmm. He has many tricks. 
for we wrestled not against flesh and blood. So that disqualifies black, white, Hispanic, Oriental, you name it. Exactly. Drunken, not drunken, whatever. You know, you know, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. Okay, so it says, but against principalities. That word for principalities is arche. That's where we get the word archon in the Greek, which means a magistrate or a government. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when this world signs on things that have nothing to do with God or against God, you know that there is powers behind the scenes that are spiritual mm -hmm. that are conducting this. Then it says um, against powers, the Greek word there for powers. There's two words in the Greek for power. There's one that is exousia, which means authority. And the other is dunamis, which is where you get the word dynamite, which is the power of God. Okay, that's when you do the miracles. Mm -hmm. Okay, here they're talking about exousia, which, is, which are authorities. You know, authorities that might be over certain laws and things and, you know, why things are the way they are. These, this is the exousia. This is not God's kingdom, by the way. This is Satan's kingdom that he wraps this world with. Okay, so when they talk about principalities, these are satanic principalities. These are satanic powers. Okay, and then it says against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Okay, that word for ruler is cosmocrater in the Greek. That means, um, you know, a world ruler. Okay, so the rulers of this world are not flesh and blood. The rulers of this world are the satanic forces behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. You guys may have heard the word, the ether, the Akashic records, you know, the dense immediate atmosphere above us. That is Satan's realm that he plays in. That's the, this is the realm that he controls until the coming of the Lord. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, talk so much. Now I don't know where I am. Okay, in spiritual wickedness in high places, 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may that ye may stand, I mean, be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. So what does it take to do all to stand? We're going to read it right now. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Okay, the truth of the Lord, the truth of his word, truth itself has to be in you. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. So your loins have to be girt about with truth. I'm going to follow the truth of the Lord. I'm going to stand on the truth of him. That is the foundation. Okay? And then it says, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Beautiful thing about righteousness. It's so awesome when people can ask you about someone. And that person will say, hey, I may not like this guy, but he's fair. He's honest. You can rely. No, he's going to tell you the truth. This is an honest person. This person will do what's right. I either like him or I don't. But your reputation is not only amongst those in the church. Even those in the street will tell you, man, this is a good person. You know, so that's the breastplate of righteousness because no one can come against you. Oh, I know what you did the other night, you know, whatever. That, that breaks in your armor because then people will begin to question, are you really with the Lord? Come on. You know, but if you have that breastplate of righteousness, you know you didn't do anything wrong. You can call me whatever you want. I wasn't there. I didn't see anything. I didn't say anything. If you're slandering, hey, then you know it's only a matter of time before your name comes up in something. Yeah. So this is your righteousness to protect you. Go ahead. It makes you look bad to slander about somebody who is righteous. 
Absolutely. So. Right. So it also works as a reflection. You're right. As your defense. Mm -hmm. Verse 15. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What's that? What we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. How we talk about the Lord in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Having this word live in you and stay in you. You know, thinking of the Lord as you go throughout your day. And you're preparing yourself for this. That's why it's good what you did this morning. You got into the word, you know, and then started your day. Why? That's the preparation. Because you might be speaking of things or learning things that may fight against what may come against you for the day. Exactly. So that's why I quote Psalms every morning, about seven or eight of them. I've memorized, and that keeps me going. That's how you lift off the demonic presence mm -hmm. and go throughout your day, you know, proclaiming the Lord. Exactly. Okay, that's the gospel of peace. And the interesting word about peace, peace is spiritual. Peace is not a physical thing. You know, you can have calm, you can have quiet, but peace you can have in the midst of war. Mm -hmm. So peace is, peace is something within, in your spirit, man, that only the Lord can give you. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. This would do us some good to have because... You know, it's kind of like if you find yourself in bad settings. Man, if you got the faith, the shield of faith, it don't matter what people say. You go to institutions, they lie about Jesus Christ. So what? I know the truth in Christ. You can listen to a false doctrine and be, yeah, well, you know what? I tried to tell them that's them, but I'm sticking to the truth. Yeah. So, you know, the fiery darts of the wicked one can even be thoughts. Things that he'll make you believe. Things that he'll make you see that are so not true. Making you doubt the Lord or his purpose for you. That's something you don't want to fall into. Mm -hmm. Okay? Y'all get that? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. And take the helmet of salvation. Helmet of salvation is important, too, because it protects the mind and the thoughts as well. You know, it, it'll keep you focused on Christ, believing in Jesus Christ, no matter what. No one's going to take your salvation from you. No one's going to tell you that you're not saved if you believe in the Lord. So that helmet is to protect your thoughts. Uh, and then it says, um, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is, you know, the word. We've got to know this word. It's great when we can quote scripture at the time we need it. And I mean, you'd be surprised because the Bible says the word doesn't return void. Mm -hmm. So when you're into the word of the Lord and, you know, you fire the word. See, a lot of the times we try and win people to Christ void of the word. That's where we can make a lot of mistakes because what people will see is you're only giving me your opinion. Yeah, I know you're telling me about Jesus Christ, but, you know. But see, this is why these words were inspired by God. These are the words of God. So if you know what to say here, man, you can break through that armor. Because facts. it's not you speaking, it's the Lord speaking. Huh? The facts. Exactly. And that's when people get mad. Religious people don't like this, man. You start talking about the Bible and they believe otherwise and you show them. Oh, well, that was somebody else. You know, I believe me. <laughs> Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we should pray for others. But notice yeah. at the end of this is prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, prayer is where it all goes. Now you have all these other weapons, but prayer is the one along with the sword of the spirit, the only two offensive weapons we have. Yeah. That's what we fire back with. Everything else is to... Take a hit. Take an attack. But knowing how to pray, 
or, or praying righteously in all supplication and thanksgiving, praising the Lord, what do you think that's going to do to you? When a girl is proud of her man or, or, or her dad or a wife is proud of her husband or husband proud of his wife, what are you going to do? You're going to reward that. You're going to keep them coming. My wife loves me and I love her. You know, my husband loves me and I love him. You know, so you want to do for that person because of, and it's not because they're, you know, puffing up your ego, but it's more to do with understanding this person cares for me. Mm -hmm. So this makes me want to care for them and do more. It's easier to show love and affection to someone when you receive it too. Because the relationship, of course, you want it to be under Jesus Christ first. But if you have Jesus Christ in your marriage and in your relationship, it, there's just so much there's humility. No stopping you, yeah, man. there's so much humility yeah. there. It's just like there's so much ebb and flow in, in that relationship. It's there's no. I mean, of course, people are going to argue, but there's no big conflicts between it because the woman's not trying to be overbearing of the husband, and the husband's not putting down his wife, and there's just so you know. But if Christ comes first, it just makes it that much easier. First mm -hmm. John three twenty three. I mean twenty two. I got the back. It's not far from where you are now. It's just before Revelation. So again, that shows you in the book of Ephesians where it talks about all the, you know, the spiritual warfare. Prayer is a weapon. So that's another thing. Prayer can be a weapon. All right. Okay. 21. We'll start. Uh, 321. First John 321. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. You see? So if you start living right, you got confidence towards God because you Lord, I'm doing everything you ask. So why wouldn't you help me? No, you're going to talk to me because I'm doing something for you. You know, and it's not working for his favor. We can never fully do that. But the point is, is that you've got confidence. Lord, I've been a good son. Well, you'll never call yourself good because we're not. But the point is, is that you know, you have confidence coming to the Lord because you know you're striving. You know, there's things that you were doing you're not doing anymore. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to pray to him. And I'll tell you, my prayers have been answered because of this in so many ways. Yep. 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now you see this here? This is what I the point I tried to make yesterday, and it would have been made had, you know, we been listening. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is all good. Now you see why I started in John 14? Yeah. About believing in Jesus. Yeah. Why? Because he's the rock of our, you know. Salvation. Right. All right, so from here I'll do a couple more and then. I want to give a few examples. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Acts uh, 12. Acts 12, and we'll start at verse 1. Now we're talking miracle prayers. These are going to be examples. Yeah. 
Yeah, after a while, you know this Bible like a back of like the back of your hand. What helps me is having a good Bible app helps too because then you get to see the way they're listed. Mm-hmm. You get a Bible app on your phone, you can even tell what sections they're in. Mm-hmm. So if you get to something, you know where you you know where you are. Acts twelve verse one. Now about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased uh, the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread, one of the uh, festivals or ceremonies they do, you know, like a dinner for them. Notice that uh, James' brother, uh, James, the brother of John, who wrote Revelation, was killed. Now, you don't think with this guy even being a disciple that he wouldn't have looked for a rapture to get out of? You know, a lot of people, that's another teaching. You know, we'll go there another day, but Christians are going to have it difficult, but we have to know that the Lord is with us. You know, at this point, James had done everything the Lord asked. James is with the Lord, you know, enjoying his life. All right, verse 4. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions uh, of soldiers uh, to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church of God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, uh, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers, oh, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Now you can't be more bound than this. Peter is in chains in prison between two guards, and I, and outside of them, there's guards outside of the door too. Now imagine being that watched. I mean, in a situation, you can't be more surrounded than this. Uh, verse seven, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a slight, sh- I mean, a light shined. Uh, in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell from uh, from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true, uh, which the which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. So it was almost like he was sleeping. He was in the spirit here. Verse 10, when they were past the first and the second ward, uh, they came unto an iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened uh, to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street and forthwith, the angel departed from him. So we're talking supernatural prayer here that made supernatural actions happen. I believe this. I know a lot of people will say, well, this is false. I've seen the Lord do things in my life. This is all a part of believing Christ. Mm-hmm. If the supernatural happened for them, the supernatural can happen for you. Mm-hmm. But notice that the church prayed without ceasing. Mm-hmm. So you had so many people praying of the church, praying in power. Look at what the Lord had done. The angel came to see him. The guards were all asleep. And he, you know, they walk through the wall. And then they get to the gate. The gate opens. 
The angel's walking with Peter, and then he leaves, and Peter's free to go. We've got to believe God and all he can do. Jesus yeah. says that, you know, uh, those things that they would do what he did and greater. So you've got to believe in the spiritual gifts of God. Your mind has to transcend time and space to really believe in the spirit of God. And this is where a lot of people are caught up because they're into their carnal thinking, what they can see, my five senses, the natural man, the soulish man. That can't be possible. Look how hard that wall is. Well, are we speaking spiritual here? We speaking carnal? Because that's two different arenas altogether. Okay, so not sure if that's making sense or not. You guys think I'm crazy, but hey, I'm telling you what's what. <laughs> Acts 16. Acts 16, and we'll start at verse 16. Everybody there? All right. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, uh, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Um, spirit of divination is like fortune telling. You know, people that try and tell you fortunes, they pull out the cards, all that stuff, you know, try and read your future and all. That's a spirit. And that word for um, spirit of divination is like a python spirit. That's what it really means. The Oracle of Delphi, I don't know if you guys ever heard of her, but she was like around the time of the Greeks and the Romans. You know, when they didn't have answers, they would go and see her and she would tell them what was what. Well, that's a python spirit that she had. All right, so... Back to the point, 17. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which shew unto us the way of salvation. And she did this many days, and did and this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. Um, and when her master saw that uh, the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. So Paul cast out this demon of divination, this python spirit that was in the woman. And, you know, they all brought her because the woman couldn't tell fortunes anymore. This was a spirit that was making her do this. And everything she said was true, but it was of the wrong spirit. Mm -hmm. So even if you hear the right thing sometimes of the wrong spirit, because the devil will give you some truth. Mm -hmm. Don't think that everything that comes out of the, the devil's mouth is a lie. He'll give you some truth to lead you, but you know, to a lie. He wants you to know. Exactly. Right. To lead you to a lie. Right. So that's why, you know, a lot of churches today would have saw this woman and said, go on, preach on, sister. Keep preaching. Help us out. But it was of the wrong spirit. Uh -huh. You know, this was a spirit to try and get people to follow her. You know, like, oh, she knows all this stuff? Wow. So, you know, it was really about seeking praise of herself, even though she was speaking of them. Mm -hmm. The wrong spirit. Okay, so uh, verse 20. And brought them uh, to the magistrates, saying, now you remember that word for magistrate, principalities. Magistrates saying, these men being Jews, do exceedingly uh, trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. Now you see what this whole thing is about. 
this has been done before. This is what's happening now. You see how the laws are not here to accommodate Christians anymore? We're going to find ourselves in similar scenarios. You know, when we're sitting there doing the will of the Lord, we're going to make a lot of people unhappy. Oh, yeah. But we got to be faithful to Christ, you exactly. know. Verse 22, And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. So, you know, the jailer was given commandments. They had many stripes laid upon them. These guys are beaten up, tied up. They were in prison for casting out a demon. Verse 25 or 24. Is it 24? Yeah. yeah. Who, having received such a charge, <laughs> thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast uh, in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners uh, had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for the light, I mean, for a light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas. Now, we know the story here. You know, Paul's going to, well, I'll just read it, verse 30. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. So, key points here. They were in prison in an impossible situation. What did they do? They didn't blame God. Okay? They didn't say, you know, Lord, if it wasn't for you, this wouldn't have happened. You know, they didn't have any doubt. What did they do? They praised the Lord. They praised and they prayed. Okay, they sang songs, hymns, everything, and the Lord responded. Why? Because that was the power of God is to give praise, is to pray. So no matter how impossible our situations look, there's so much power in prayer. But as we learn, it has to be done in faith. You have to believe Jesus is Lord. How we live can affect our prayers. Those we don't forgive can affect our prayers. So that's a really key thing. And the jailer got saved. The jailer got saved because, <laughs> you see, he himself was in an impossible situation. Like, they're going to kill me. Yeah. The moment they find out you guys were free, I'm dead. But he knew, all right, now I'm going to turn to God. So you see how even being desperate, mm -hmm. the Lord loves you in that circumstance because now I can work with you. Mm -hmm. That guy had no way out. It was either death or receive Jesus Christ. Exactly. You know, so... Uh, one last point, and I guess we will end it. Uh, let's go to Second Samuel 12. I know we went here before, but this is a key thing. Does anyone have any questions? You just want me to shut up now. Huh? All right, man. We get it, man. We get it. Prayer can help you out. We get it. Thank you.
Second Samuel 12, verse 1. This is a story about how David, you know, saw Bathsheba. I don't know if you're familiar with the story or not, but he saw a woman that wasn't his wife taking a bath. She was like bathing on a rooftop or something like that, and um, David wanted her. David knew she was married to one of his soldiers that was loyal to David. David killed him, okay, sent him off to war, put him on the front lines. No, actually, he was sleeping with his wife while Uriah was out fighting wars for David. He was sleeping with his wife. She became pregnant. So David's solution was, well, put Uriah, well, let Uriah sleep with her. So that way, you know, it would look like it's his kid. But um, Uriah said, you know, Dave, I want to be on your side. I'm going to sleep right outside your chambers to make sure you're okay. This guy was faithful. He didn't even want to go to his wife. This guy loved David. And David said, uh-oh, you know, everybody's going to find out what's going on. So he put Uriah on the front lines to be murdered in war just to have this man's wife. So when this happened, the Lord sent one of his prophets. And see, that's the dangerous thing about a prophet is a prophet, a real prophet of God, the Lord will tell them what's going on. And they will totally come in the power of the Holy Ghost, knowing everything. So at that point, you're not talking to the prophet. You're speaking to God. Yeah. You know, that person is there for God to say what needs to be said. All right, so Second Samuel 12, verse 1. I thought I was there. All right. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding uh, many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, uh, which he had uh, bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat on its own meat, of its own meat, and drank of its own cup, uh, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd, to dress for the wafering man, uh, that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man uh, that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, that man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. So David now is, you know, upset at the story Nathan is telling him, not realizing it's him that we're talking about. So David just sat here and said, oh, this man is going to pay. You know, we're going to do this as long as I live. He just pronounced a judgment on himself, not recognizing it. Right. All right. So verse um, seven, and Nathan said unto David, thou art the man, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee of thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if thou had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee uh, such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? 
Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hath taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. So, you know, when the Lord told him through Nathan that the sword will never leave his house, David's son Absalom tried to grab the throne, the throne from David. This was what Henry Groover was talking about. I think if you might remember, his son tried to kill David to take his throne. The Lord spared him. Uh, his son Amnon raped his other daughter, Tamar, Tamar right? Tamar, raped yeah. her and then hated her, threw her out. Then Amnon gets killed in battle or something happens. Mm -hmm. But after this, everything went wrong in David's house. Why? Because everything that he said or everything that the Lord would have given him, he said, man, I would have given you anything. But you, you kill this man for his wife? Like the Lord loved David that much that he had to pronounce the sentence on him. Mm -hmm. So he, he gave away David's wives too. And that his men, you know, that's shameful for a king's wives to be laying with other, you know, people. Uh, verse 12, for thou did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun, like in front of everyone. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin. Uh, thou shalt not die. So the Lord forgave David. So you're not going to die. You know, even though you might feel like you want to die, but yeah. you're not going to die. Verse 14. How be it, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. So... You remember David got uh, Uriah's wife pregnant. The Lord said that oh, that baby is going to die. So David fasted. He prayed. He did all these things to try and save the baby. Mm -hmm. It didn't work. You know, sure enough, the baby was dead. Why? Because there was innocent blood that had to be paid for. Not that he was killing the baby. The baby would be with God. Yeah. But the point was, you're not going to enjoy this situation in your sin. You're not going to enjoy... This child would be out of adultery and murder that you're bringing forth. So it's kind of like one for one. And whatever decision the Lord makes, it's a righteous judgment. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's not look at it in our carnal minds. How could you kill this innocent baby? This is not a good God whatsoever. You got to understand what the Lord is doing here. Okay, so let's go to Psalm 51 and we'll close out from there. Actually, I wanted to read this song as well. Sorry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> What? Huh? What? 61? Oh, 51. What, what psalm are you reading? 95. All right, read your psalm and get it over. You can do yours too. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Well, yeah, you know what? Let me do uh, Psalm 51 yeah, yeah, yeah. first. That's, that's perfect. And the way you find psalms is it's always in the middle of the Bible. I'm there. The Old Testament <laughs> is right. just as thick as the New Testament. So it's kind of like... Just flip to the middle. You're there. She becomes Beat a star. You. <laughs> Beat me. I was explaining. You get, one, you get one right and all of a sudden you know everything. This is the prayer for forgiveness. 
because sometimes, you know, praying for forgiveness is, like I said, a good thing. Mm -hmm. This is the prayer that David prayed. And that's why it says, I don't know, it might say on the top of your, um, the Psalm 51, and it says, To the chief musician, a Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after David had gone unto Bathsheba, which was Uriah's wife. So he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. What are transgressions? Willful, Willful sins. sins. Yeah. Right. That means you know the way, but you go otherwise. Mm -hmm. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Sin itself means to miss the mark. A sin is just you're in error. You're wrong. You know, transgression means to, it's willful sin. Iniquity is what's in you pretty much coming out. Iniquity is just the wrong in you. Like having bad thoughts can be iniquity, but if you act on those thoughts, then that's, you know, that's sin or transgression. Does that make any sense? Okay. Uh, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. So what is David doing? Admitting where he's wrong. Not making excuses for anything he did. Lord, she was beautiful. I thought because I was the king that, that she was mine too since she was in my kingdom. No, he's, he's you know, admitting what he did and he's making it right. Uh, verse 4. Against thee, thee only have I sinned. So, oh, and done this evil thing in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. What he means by this is, against God and God only we sin. We may wrong people, but you got to understand first, it's the Lord you've sinned against. This will help a lot of people in sin. Because you think just because you do something and, oh, I, I messed myself up. No, it's not even about you. You hurt your father. Mm -hmm. You sinned to him. Okay, so this is what needs to be made right. So he's admitted, hey, against you and you only I've sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that you may be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge. Like, in other words, you're going to judge me righteously and clear, but I'm admitting this is my fault. Mm -hmm. But he is asking for mercy, too. Uh, five, behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So, you know, he was shaping in, in imperfection. You know from Adam that the sin gene passed on even unto David. David wasn't a perfect man. The only one that did not have a father to pass on that code was Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Being born of a virgin, coming straight from God, and being birthed of Mary. He didn't have the sin nature in his genes. Right. Okay. Um, you know, so his mother conceived him in iniquity. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. So desire is truth in the inward parts. You want to be made right from the inside out. Mm -hmm. Okay, make me right, Lord, so I can do your will. But in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. What's the hidden part? The outer court, the inner court, the, the holy place. place. In so where would that? In the, the spirit, the spirit yeah. right. And that's the part that most people are not aware of. Why? Because we are world conscious. And we're self-conscious. Mm -hmm. When you become God-conscious, that's the spirit place. Almost done, guys. <laughs> Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Hyssop is the type of thing that they would sprinkle the blood of the um, of a sacrifice on. Jesus was given hyssop with um, vinegar. Yeah. You know, at, at his death and well, at his death, you know, it was to purge sin. So he was a type of sacrificial lamb.
Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. In other words, the Lord had to break them down, but Lord, you know, build me so I can rejoice. If you've ever sinned against the Lord and you know it, man, you just want to roll over and die. Mm -hmm. You feel like dung. You feel so low. Like, Lord, just take this away from me. And isn't it funny how in a few days you start to feel better? And that's because the Holy Ghost is cleaning you and taking you away from that guilt. He's not riding you right now. But at the time you feel that guilt, that's the Holy Ghost. Oh, I can't believe what you did. Look at you. How could you do this after all the cleaning? Now I've got to clean again. You're going to make this right, and it's going to be done. And now, mm-hmm. you know, when you're just, oh, God, I want to die. I just feel like, you know, whatever. But then after a couple of days, you notice how you start to feel built up again? Yep. That's the work of the Holy Ghost. But, you know, the big difference between sin and um, guilt and shame, and I want to tell anybody, when you fall in the Lord, Guilt is, I made a mistake. That comes from the Holy Ghost. Okay? Shame is, I am my mistake. That's from the devil. The devil will always tell you, yeah, look at you. You think God's going to take you back after this? Huh? Look how filthy and nasty you are. You know, that's the devil. Okay? Because he doesn't want you to make it better and rise above it. Yeah. (sighs) All right. So he's asking to be rejoiced after he was broken down. Verse 9. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. In sin, when you're God conscious, man, you you feel so worthless in the eyes of the Lord. Like you don't even feel the presence of God around you. And this is what he's asking that the presence not be taken away. Verse 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. What spirit? The Holy Spirit. Verse 13, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. This is what Jesus did. Jesus fasted for 40 days. When his obedience was fulfilled, then he went looking for the apostles. When your obedience is fulfilled, then you can do the will of the Lord properly. Why? Because there's nothing of the flesh and sin holding you back. Mm -hmm. I've tried to preach in sin. I'm telling you, it is so... I think it's like you try and overcompensate for it by, yeah, because the Lord wants y'all to (laughs) repent. But deep down, you know, it's like the Holy Ghost telling you, you know you're dirty. Mm -hmm. I know what you've done. You know what you've done. But when you start walking in the truth and then you're telling people, oh, man, it's like... People look so convinced, like they're being convicted by the truth. Why? Because the truth lives in you. Mm-hmm. All right, so he says, um, Then will he teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners will be converted unto him. Why? Because he will be restored in the Lord. Right. All right, 14. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall shew forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. What does he want? Not your burnt offering. You know, he wants your obedience. Mm -hmm. And this is what he's talking about. Uh, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. Thou wilt not despise. He won't despise it if you're broken. 
How did David come to the Lord? Broken. How did that jailer that let those people go come to the Lord? Broken. Yeah. Because at that point, you can be filled. It's no longer you trying. You're dying. You're giving it up to him. Um, verse 18. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and a whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Why? Because you're right. And this is, I mean, I read this, but I've actually memorized this psalm. This is one of the few I've memorized and say every morning. And it's a good song, psalm for repenting, you know, saying it out, you know, the words, letting the Lord know how you feel. This is, I mean, look at how sorry this guy was for his sin. If we could be half as sorry, I mean, we'd be in good standing. Oh, yeah. But some of us, Lord, forgive me. You know, and Amen. just go on. Like, all right, what time are you coming over? You know, and it's just, some people just don't get it that way. So Sarah wants to give a psalm, but this one is for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You know, this is how you pray with your heart. The Lord will answer your prayers. But the best way to receive the goodness of the Lord is obedience. Yeah. Following his word. And it will not be an easy walk. I struggle. Sarah struggles. We all struggle from time to time. Okay. But the idea is to strive to make it right, to be on that path, to know what you did is wrong, to not want to go back there, and you'll start to see the sins slowly start to peel away from you. Yep. Why? Because the Lord knows you're striving. You're coming to me. You know, you really want to do better. I feel it in you, and I'm going to help you along the way. Anyone that says that they don't struggle with sin is lying to you. None of us are perfect. None of us do the Lord's will. I forgot. You've got your pick. <laughs> But, you know, we do the best that we can for the Lord, the best way we can do it. Yield to the Spirit of the Lord. Let Him work through us. Go ahead. So it's Psalm 95. That's where I'm going to be reading from. And then you're going to pray too. Yes. Take up all the time. Huh? <laughs> I'm just teasing. Prayer ain't enough for you these days. It's teasing. Tootsie. I'm teasing. Tootsie. That's right. what you call me? Tootsie, tootsie. Don't bring that up on here. Jeez, bad enough I said it once. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. All right, Psalm 95, sing praises to the Lord. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err or err in their heart, and they do not know my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Now, you'll find Paul also quoting that in um, Hebrews 3, you know, but he was speaking of the time that, you know, I always use that um, analogy of 
the children of Israel going from Egypt to mm -hmm. the wilderness to the promised land and why that group didn't go and they had to wander for 40 years yeah. because of unbelief. Yeah. You know, so it's a key thing. You can read that in um, Hebrews 3. But, you know, that's a huge part of it. You know, hopefully we all learned something about prayer. I know I did. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's a lot more scriptures and things that I wrote down. I'll probably put some of them on the site, like set up or ask Martin to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, prayer is a big weapon we have. Oh, yeah. How much prayer time you have is how much power is going to flow through you. It's how much you're going to know the Lord. It's how much you commune with him. You can't talk to the Lord two hours a day and not know more. Okay, that's impossible. You're speaking to a God that knows all things. So how are you going to be still dumb at the end of a conversation with him? Exactly. you got to get to know him and do his will. Exactly. All right, so I guess we'll pray out from Can this I point on. ask something? Sure. All right, so you said earlier about prayer that it's more powerful when you, like, go on your knees and do it. Well, I'm saying it's a type of humility. Like, okay. you don't exactly have to do it, but the Lord knows... If you're getting on your knees for a favor, then it's no different than standing up. Mm -hmm. But if you're on your knees because he is your God, mm -hmm. and you feel like that's what he deserves, mm -hmm. then yes, because you're you're humbling yourself. Even having a bowed head helps. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not on my knees right now, but I'm just telling you, I go on mine. Mm -hmm. If the Lord, if, um, what is it, uh, Philippians 2.9 says, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, then if every knee should bow, then I want my knees bowed in prayer. I'm not telling anyone that's what they have to do, mm -hmm. but this is what I do because he is my God. Mm -hmm. He is that king. You know, he is that Lord of Lords. So I want to reverence him with that type of respect. Mm -hmm. You know, that makes sense? Yeah. <laughs> I've never, like, I've, like, obviously you've seen that, but I've never done it. Uh -huh. So asking. No, that's awesome. That's what we do is ask questions. It's it's those who ask and they have their own answers and don't want to know. Yeah. Those are the people that will waste time when you're trying to get things done. But that was yesterday. Lord forgive me. Not gonna bring that up again. But all right, so we'll just pray out. Go ahead, Sarah. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight and I want to thank you for another day that you've given to us. Lord, I want to thank you for another opportunity that you've given that we can come together. Lord, and we can study your word and we can study your truths and we can draw closer to you. Lord, I am so thankful for all the things that you've done for us. Everything that you've given to us. Everything that you've blessed us with and bestowed upon us, Lord. And I want to thank you for your grace and your mercy upon our lives. For not taking us in our sins when you could have. Lord, for allowing us another day. Lord, for watching over us, even in times when we didn't either realize or know, Lord, when we were living in sin, and how you have brought us out from so much, Lord. And I'm so thankful for the grace period that you've bestowed upon our lives, Lord, where we can get ourselves right with you. But Lord, we have to understand that we have to keep going forward, Lord. That we cannot give up that we cannot give in, that we cannot go back, Lord, that we cannot get comfortable where we are because there is a working that needs to be done. Lord, there's not a work for salvation. No, it takes faith, Lord. But Lord, after we are saved, Lord, after we come to you, 
we should want to bear good fruit. Lord, we should have a fire in our bones that we want to go out and to preach and to teach your gospel as your word says that we should do. It should become a way of life for us, Lord, to do your will and to do your works. Lord, and I'm asking and praying today that you would be with this ministry and everyone that's involved in it. Lord, I'm so thankful for everyone who comes. Lord, help us to understand that if there are things in our lives that we have not given to you, if there are things in our lives, Lord, that choke off the Holy Spirit, whether it be indoctrination or false doctrines or any spirits of antichrist that are in our lives, Lord, all those things that are not of you, I pray that today, Lord, that we come before you and that we give those things to you, Lord. Because if there's any areas of our lives that you do not control that are not filled with the Holy Spirit, Satan can use those against us, Lord. And I'm praying today, Lord, that you would come upon us all. I believe that you want to bless this ministry so much. But I'm praying today that we give our lives to you, Lord, that we will be sanctified, that we will be purified, that we will be set apart from this world system, Lord, because Satan is the kingdom of, he rules this world. And Lord, we have to be set apart from that world system. We have to be in this world, but not of this world, Lord. We are here to spread your gospel. Lord, I believe that you want to give us things in our lives, but that cannot be our main focus. Our focus is to glorify you and the Father and the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that we not have any fear of what this world can do to us. That we find true joy and true peace by doing your will, Lord. And if we have any fear of our in our lives, Lord, of what this world can do to us, of what the enemy can do to us, Lord, let us come to you so you can build us up upon your holiest faith, that we make you the rock of our salvation, that we are not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, that we test the spirits to see if they be of you or if they be of Satan, Lord. Guide and direct and lead this ministry in the way that you want it to go. Let your hands be in it. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone tonight that needs spiritual healing upon their lives, whether it be for sickness or, Lord, whether it be for having demons casted out of their lives, Lord, or whether it be for our families or friends or anyone that needs to come to know you, Lord, there's anyone out there today that you want to hear your gospel, Lord, bring them our direction, but I pray, Lord, that we be right with you first. Let us be given into more prayer and fasting to kill off the flesh, Lord, because the flesh will never want to do with the Spirit what your Spirit wants to do, Lord. And we have to get to that place where we are living in the Spirit, no longer in the flesh, no longer in our carnal thinking, Lord. And help us to be aware of the attacks of the enemy, Lord, because he wants to get us in our flesh. Lord, you deserve all the praise and the glory and the honor for everything that you've done for us in our lives. And I'm so thankful, Lord. And I pray that in all manner of speech, in all manner of thought, Lord, it praise your name in all that we do. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to study your word, that we hunger and thirst after your word, Lord, so we can have that spiritual understanding that you want us to have, that we seek godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom, Lord, that we draw our strength from you, that you would give us an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. Set this ministry, Lord, set it on fire for your gospel to go out. Lord, let your light shine through us so there's no mistake. Lord, I pray that you would build us up every day to bring lost souls to you. This is not about us, Lord. This is about bringing lost souls to you, Lord. This is about 
going out and doing your will. That we not have any fear of loss of family or friends or job or whatever, Lord, because we know that you will take care of us. And I pray that we will take on the full armor of God because that is our defense against the enemy, Lord. And if there are chinks in our armor, I pray that we will come to you so you can fix us, Lord, and send us back out into the battle. The spiritual warfare that your word talks about. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray. Place your shield of protection around us, Lord. Let us stay up under your protection by prayer, by fasting, by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, by studying your word, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.